compass and clock. I'm your host, Gary Copeland. This infotainment podcast explores how to live your best life now and well into retirement. We'll discuss topics in financial planning, housing, and insurance. We'll talk wellness, relationships, and leisure activities. A full, active life requires planning for your goals and preparing for the unexpected. I'll introduce you to a variety of guests from knowledgeable experts to folks sharing stories of their life experiences and so much more, because life is big. All is intended to help guide you in planning for what you need now and at any age. Like and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Today, my guest is Beth Pratt. Beth is a violinist with the Squim Community Orchestra, and she's been playing the violin since the age of eight. She took a long break from the violin from the end of high school until she joined the Squim Community Orchestra in 2012, which is when it was founded. Beth, thanks for joining me today. Oh, Mary, I'm so pleased to do this with you today. Thank you for having me. Well, we're going to have a lot of fun because today you and I are going to talk about hobbies and how they can bring you joy and how it can not only bring you personal fulfillment, but it brings so much to the community at large, too. So why don't we just jump right in and can you tell us, um, do you like playing the violin and why does it bring you joy? I tried to quit when I was about 10 or 11. It was a lot. It was a lot of practicing. And my parents said, not yet. And I can't tell you how glad I am that they did that. They waited until I was proficient to give me the opportunity to not play. And by then, I liked it. Once you can play through a tune, I think with a lot of instruments, that's the trick. You got to keep kids engaged until they get the hang of it, right? So I love it. I love that I have a musical outlet. I'm not a soloist. I'm not a paid musician. I play it because I love it. And I love being able to play with a group. I love being able to be a part of a musical conversation. It's not what I do for work. It's not what I do in any other part of my life. I sing along with the radio and I play the violin and that's a musical outlet for me. You know, um, I love that you said you can, um, when you started in an early age, you stick with it, but you can pick up the violin or any other instrument later on in life too, which I'm just dropping that in there because we'll touch on that later in our interview today. Absolutely. Yep. So let's talk about between your high school years and 2012. Did you literally not play the violin at all when you took that break? No, but you know, when you're done with high school and you played in the band or you sang in the choir or you played in the orchestra, if you don't study music and you go on to college, well, you lose your group, you lose the teacher, you lose that forward momentum. So I have never stopped playing exactly. I've always played Christmas songs at Christmas time, get out and play through my favorite pieces that I learned as a young person, try to learn something new. I'd buy a songbook to learn new pieces, but I wasn't playing with anybody. I just did it for my own fun. Okay. So you didn't completely abandon the instrument and, and you kept, no. you, you kept yourself tuned. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Keep your ear in tune, keep the muscle memory alive. So you know where your fingers go. For those that don't know, guitars have frets, but violins don't. You have to know where your finger goes. <laughs> I did not know that because I am not a string um, instrument mm -hmm. um, player myself. I like to play um, percussions. Mm -hmm. so, um, let's talk about the Squim Community Orchestra. How did that opportunity present itself to you? 
this is such a passion for me. So I was an activity director in senior living and a couple of folks came in and they were putting together an informational meeting for local musicians that might be interested in a community level orchestra. Fort Angeles has a full blown symphony with world class soloists, amazing concert performances. It's a lot. They practice a couple of days a week. But for those of us that haven't played since high school, this was like another opportunity. They came to me as an activity professional to see if my residents would like to play. And I said, well, I don't know about that, but can I come? And I was at the very first organizational meeting of the orchestra. And it turned out that it was two, our two principal violists from the Port Angeles Symphony, who were also music teachers, who saw the lack of string options in SWIM decided to get this started. So I was excited to get in from the first day. Wow. So the two folks that were coming around were already part of the orchestra that was so well developed in Port Angeles and they were trying to get something off the ground and swim. Yeah. So um, I know this is very a passionate um, mission of yours with the SWIM Community Orchestra and it has to do with giving back to the community. So can you tell us a little bit about that? It's two pieces, right? So we are an educational organization that plays as an ensemble. We play two or three concerts a year, no big pressure, no auditions. You need an instrument and you have to be able to read music and you have to keep up with the music that's chosen. It's not hard. We're not playing full Beethoven symphonies. Um, we play medium level and in that way, we've been able to capture, like you said, adult learners. We have a number of adult learners of instruments from the winds to the strings. But the other piece, and this is so much fun for me, I work in senior care. So for me to get to spend time with children was interesting. And the secondary or the primary mission really is education. So part of that, the second prong, is that we provide string music education to the students of SQUIM starting in grade four because the SWIM school district does not and has never had orchestral string music as an option for students. So starting in the fall of 2013 was our first student group. And in 2019, we had our first students participate in a competition. It was very exciting. They were up against the students at bigger schools that actually had in-school programs out of our little program. And one of my biggest things, and I, I won't go on and on, but I got to write a grant as the board president for the orchestra to purchase a bass, a stand-up bass, because we had a young man that wanted to play, but we didn't have a full size and he's six foot four. I got to present that kid with a brand new bass to play while he was still a part of our, it's our bass, but he gets to play it while he's with us. Wow. And so the first competition was in the fall of 2019. So did you have a competition the following fall of 2020? They're in January, and so it was 2019, and we were looking at 2020 before everything started to sort of slide shut. So it was uh, January of 2019, I believe, was the, the time that we got our oldest students to compete. Yeah. And, and that's the only time we've done it yet. We're hopeful for this year. Okay. That would be great. Keep us posted on that. Um, so here we're talking about um, you playing the violin. It's a passion. It's a hobby. People can... Um, start when they're young they can start at any age but let's talk about the word hobby what constitutes a hobby do you have to be a certain age to start can you start at eight can you start at 18 can you start at 80. 
Yes. <laughs> right? I, I mean, I think of hobbies as the thing that you do that brings you joy that isn't the thing you do for work necessarily. Maybe it is what you do for work, but most of us do one thing for work and one thing in our spare time. You know, people are hikers or they're motorcycle enthusiasts or they're bakers or there's all sorts of things that we do in our life that are not capitalized. They're not where we earn money. It's not what we do for livelihood. We do it to feed our soul, our mind, to connect with larger brands, you know, bands of our community around us. And also I think um, it's a way to share out in music in particular. We, our concerts are free. We don't charge. So we can provide an entertainment venue even to play classical themes to an audience that doesn't have to pay to come in and they don't have to sit through a three hour performance that might be too much, especially for elders. We play shorter concerts. So we provide a different kind of service in this space. But I think, gosh, who cares if you're not the best that ever was? Who cares if you're not the best singer or the best guitarist or the best violinist? Do it because you love it. Find a community of people to share it with and let it bring you joy and embrace the mistakes. They're just ways of learning. It's just another way to stretch the brain. So therefore you would say what constitutes a hobby is um, pursuing a passion or uh, artistic channel or something that um, you do for yourself, that you do um, not to uh, make an income. It's not your nine to five. Mm -hmm. And some people can turn that, but, but gosh, not everybody does and who cares? Why not make it into something? Why not love the thing that you're doing? You know, spend some time on something that's just fun. We talk a lot about self-care right now in this, in this current world, right? It's just a different kind of self-care. True. And um, I'm going to pick up on when you talked about, um, you said motorcycles. And in um, the uh, current issue, the current issue of the Spring Compass and Clock magazine, there is an article about reinventing retirement. And your father wrote the article for me, and he pursued a hobby that he was passionate about, and he actually did turn it into a business. Mm -hmm. uh, so people, you should go check that out on the website. Just want to, you know, it can become a business, as you say, but mm -hmm. it starts off because you're feeding your soul. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, you know, I, I'm so excited that my dad was able to find that path for himself, but I think we can all look into that, that retirement, especially, right? I think that was something for him that he wasn't willing to do. And I look forward and I think, well, what would I do with myself? Well, I love to do all these other things. So they may not be jobs, they may not be a retirement career, but I've got things that will keep me entertained, occupied, my brain thinking forward, I can learn things. You know, there's never something that you, that there's never an end to what you can learn about a thing, really. True. So you work in the senior housing um, line of business, um, assisted living, independent living, memory care, et cetera. In all these years that you've been in that environment, do you see residents with hobbies? Or if you don't see them with hobbies, have you initiated hobbies for them? I had the great, great good fortune of starting my career in senior housing as an activity director. And that's the heartbeat of the building. It's everybody would say, oh, you have the fun job. They weren't wrong, but I had the fun job. So I could bring my crafty stuff, my music stuff, my writer stuff. These are all things I do for myself or I've done with my family. 
And being able to share that with the residents from my personal passion and connect them to try something new, and then they could teach me. Um, when I first started as an activity director, this is kind of a side note, but they already had a writing workshop set up for the residents on my first day. And the ladies that were in the group invited me to a meeting of their group to test me out before they let me put it on the calendar and be their leader. And for almost 10 years, we had a monthly get together where we would sit and write together. And twice I got to pull together little anthologies for their families of all the poetry and short stories they'd written. So those were folks, some of them were writers from before, and some of them found writing and journaling and create as a creative outlet as their physical mobility had slowed them down. They couldn't garden really anymore. They couldn't get out in the garden. They couldn't walk in the dirt, but they could still write about it or share it with me and I could be their trans, the transcriber for that for them. Um, with music, I have one of the bass players in the orchestra. She's an, an, a retired gal that took up playing the bass as a retired person. Um, when our lead second violinist took up the violin in her 40s um, because she just wanted to learn. So I think it doesn't matter how old you are when you get started. And when you come to a point in your life of senior community living is for you, the point of senior community living is to take off the pressures of daily living. Let us cook, let us clean, let us worry about the, the upkeep of the building, maybe provide you with some personal care to give you back some time and energy to spend on something you love. So bringing those hobbies with you is absolutely important. Making the space your own, bring your own hobbies, bring your passions. It helps connect with neighbors and it helps increase somebody's quality of life and joy in, in their environment. And I, I think all of those are good things. There's nothing wrong with any of that. And if you don't bring them with you, allow your uh, mind to be open to um, suggestions if the activity director or other residents um, have ideas to help you pick up a hobby or um, do something in your spare time that they think would be a good fit. Yeah. And, and I'm curious, when you did the writing group at the lodge at Sherwood, yeah, the lodge at Sherwood, correct? Was it? Yeah. Um, do you know if that group's still going? I don't, and I should probably find out. A lot of the kind of stalwart members had left us for various reasons. Um, they, you know, moved on to another another place in time. So um, I don't know. Um, but the activity director that came in behind me four or five years ago, you know, she comes with her own passions. My guess is that they have a whole new host of things. And I, I do know that they have an artist that comes in and paints with them. Um, so folks have been learning to draw and to paint watercolors, which I think is a brilliant thing. Um, again, it, it, you're not trying to be the next Renoir. You're finding joy in expressing your creative spark, and that's important. So it sounded like when you were the activity director, there were some activities that were already in place, such as the writing um, group that we talked about. But right now, as you are in um, different roles in the senior community, as an employee, do you literally bring your hobby to work with you? Because I know. We know you're a musician, you're a violinist, we've talked about it. We now know you're a writer because you told us about that. I know you're an artist, you love to draw, and you're also a gardener and you love to um, can also. So do you bring any of those hobbies to the residents that you serve? I keep a music stand in my office and a violin in my office with a, a stack of songbooks. Now that I'm currently working in a memory care community, Discovery Memory Care, and 
sometimes, especially in those last couple of years, we couldn't bring in volunteers, we couldn't bring in musicians, visitation rules are tight. We're still under some more guidelines um, in our end of the world than your everyday grocery store shopper. So I, if I feel like there's some tension or we've, everybody seems a little listless, yeah, I pop in and play. Um, we've done storytelling together. Um, that's a lot of fun for me um, to kind of lead the one sentence at a time storytelling. So we've done some of that. And we have an amazing activity department here. And so I work with them and share ideas and ask how I can support it because it's the heartbeat of the community. It is, we all love the great food. That's important. We all march on our stomachs. Um, our business people, we all need to keep that engine chugging, but the heartbeat matters. And meeting people where they are and inviting them in to enjoy a passion with you, I think, again, it, you can't go wrong. You're, you're sharing something that's joyful and that can only be a good thing. When things um, go back to somewhat normal or the, a new norm, um, mm -hmm. Discovery Memory Care, for instance, do you see integrating the students from SQUIM that are in the orchestral program with the residents at Discovery Memory Care doing an intergenerational program? I sure hope to. Um, and my last, the last community I worked for, uh, three years in a row, we did a donut and coffee social with the students they served. Uh, we provided the refreshments, but the residents were served by the young people, um, and then they sat down and played. And we had an orchestra set up in the room to play for them. So I'm looking forward to those visitation rules loosening and the school you're getting going, excuse me, to work with our strings teacher to make that happen here. I, it's a lot of folks have family far flung. And so those intergenerational things, getting young students that want to do oral histories and writing projects, bringing in students to play instruments. Um, I even did some uh, balcony concerts at my uh, previous employer a couple of years ago. We had, uh, including me, we all stood outside, outside the balconies and played music for the residents. So we had a lot of students because they were out of school at that point. It gave them an opportunity to play. Do you ever envision the students actually being teachers, you know, for residents that are interested in learning an instrument? That's a brilliant idea. I think I'm going to propose that. I hadn't even thought of it. That's a great idea. Yeah, that's what I see with the intergenerational program, because then it would be on a regular basis, not just a um, performance once or twice in the year, but, you know, uh, our continued um, contact and lessons. I like that. Yeah. I've done oral history projects, and, it, and it's much like that, because they come back and forth to clarify. And that's just super fun. It's neat to watch. And then when the kid's paper is done and they have that final edit to see the residents really engaging with them. Um, but I love that idea of, of having them play music together, maybe even having the residents playing some percussion um, along with or you know, help hold down that beat. Yeah, or what they can also do is, um, because it's memory care where you are, they can play a song from, their, from the resident's genre yeah. And they, they'll just be the instrumental part, and maybe the residents will sing along. Mm -hmm. They do with me. Yeah. 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 We do that. All, we, always do, we always play Long, Long Ago, and I always tell them the first song I ever learned was Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. So I'll play it once, and they'll sing it, and then I say, okay, what else is it? And I start singing the ABC song, because it's the same. And so that's always fun. <laughs> so um, what kind of advice can you give someone on finding a hobby that that's best for each individual, what would you tell somebody? Gosh, that's a big one. I think, you know, what do you love? You know, if you love flowers, have you ever tried growing them? 
if if you love to look at artwork, have you ever picked up a, a piece of uh, charcoal and a, and a sketchbook? If you love music, have you ever picked an instrument up, been to a class, sat in on a rehearsal? If you love to write, have you ever gone to an open mic night and listened to local authors who are not, they're not Tom Clancy, they're not Stephen King, they're not Ordinora Roberts, they're local people writing their own stories. I, I, I think that that's how you find it. And reaching back into your youth, I have people tell me, oh, I played an instrument way back then, but I don't even remember how. Well, why not try? Did you love it? Did it bring you joy? And I realize I'm one of those people that has more time than others at home. Um, but, I, you know, I don't have kids in the house. So usually I have more time, which is why that list, that laundry list of hobbies sounds so long. But those are just the things I do on the, at the end of the day that make me happy and give me some exercise or um, bring some beauty in or some music and something I can just enjoy with me and my husband and or just by myself. So maybe somebody can um, either sit down with a piece of paper and a pen and um, ask themselves, what makes me happy? Yes. Uh, you know, what did I do when I was a teenager? What did I do in my 20s or 30s? And, and, and reflect on their life and think about different things that they've done, mm -hmm. uh, no matter what age you are, and um, try to remember something and be like, oh, my God, I forgot I used to do that. Yes. That, that was so much fun when I did that. Or... Um, mm -hmm. You know, or maybe, you know, sit down with an old friend and brainstorm together because they'll remember something. I know when I'm with my best friend, Sally, um, she'll remember something that I don't remember at all. And I'm like, oh, look, I totally forgot that. That was so much fun. I remember when we did that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And sometimes your friends will think of things that you would just go, eh, but gosh, why not? You know, and what does it hurt to try? It doesn't. You know, maybe just if you see somebody having a good time and go, you know, that paddleboard thing, I think I'll try it. Yeah. That's how I started kayaking. I went and thought that looks like fun. I went and rented one and went, well, that was good. Maybe I should get myself a kayak. You know, <laughs> So I think that try things, you know, there's lots of chances to not spend a bunch of money. You don't need to make a big investment that you can just try, experience, involve yourself, watch. What, what do you like about it? And don't be afraid to try because no one is paying that much attention to your first try that, you know, people get worried, I'm gonna fail. Well, that you're not trying to get, what do you mean fail? It, that doesn't make any sense. You're not failing if, you, if there's learning to be done. You're just learning and that's okay. It's exactly. like they don't have to call it catching, they call it fishing, you know? You've actually succeeded because you tried, you made that attempt. That's not That's right. a failure, it's a success. Um, we're going to have to wrap up, but there's one thing that I remember. I was just looking out the window the other day, and there was this large cedar tree in front of the window. And in a line, one, two, three, three large, oversized woodpeckers. Oh my and God. I grabbed my camera to take a picture, but they flew off too fast. Mm -hmm. And I watched them in flight together. And then I just stood there and looked in the yard for a little bit, and there were different birds. There was this bright yellow one. Then there was a hummingbird. And so it made me think, I want to get a bird book. There were, I, ju I just saw, her, and then that afternoon, I saw a bluebird in the yard. So I just told my husband, there were so many birds in our yard of so many different um, varieties. I can't believe I've never noticed that before. Mm -hmm. so, and now so, you're a birder. Yeah. <laughs> so take the time to smell the roses, think about things. 
I want to say, Beth, thank you so much for sharing your personal story, your hobbies, and your passion with us. And thanks for reminding us all that we have the right to be happy and we should make sure we pursue that. So for our listeners, make sure no matter what your age you are, go out and find something to bring you joy. So Absolutely. Right? Until next week, take care and thank you for being with us today. Bye-bye. Thank you, Mary. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye, Beth.